0: Welcome to the DC pod as always I'm Christian alongside me Darcy to cover all things basketball now we're entering my favorite time of the year you can probably say the draft is up there for being one of my favorite times of the year but this is the player movement time this is where we really get to see teams wheeling and dealing and my question to you Darcy, straight up is what do you actually like better are you a draft man or a trade man
1: I think definitely a trade man I think those teams who are the most interesting in the draft are often teams who aren't relevant. I think in the trade <laughs> deadline is where contenders can become championship teams. And yeah, I'm pretty excited for this one. I'm pretty jacked I'm jacked to tits for this one.
0: Let's go. Well, the reason why I probably mentioned the draft is because the trade period is happening later this year, obviously being in March, we know what happens in March in college. It's March madness. You get to see the prospects So you kind of start to look a little bit ahead to that draft period. Um, But as a Philly fan going through those process years, the draft was our playoffs. Like that was a big time (laughs) for us. So, um, yeah, I suppose for my individual case, I absolutely loved the draft process. I loved the lottery. I loved all of it. But yeah. yeah. Now, on to more important things with the trade deadline. Hopefully, look to acquire some guys. So, look, this will just be a trade deadline special. I think we'll look at things from the player's side. We'll then have a look at things from the team's perspective as well. And then we'll finish off by giving out a trade that we think has a realistic chance of happening to uh, to end things. And then, of course, we'll be back after the trade deadline is finished. Uh, Friday morning, we'll do a reaction A pod, and uh, we'll be able to break down all the deals that happen between now and then. So, Das, you ready to roll for today? Absolutely. Let's do it.
1: Step back, puts up the three, got hit, shots good, and one James Harden double team and a chance for a four point
0: one. Okay, so we'll get things kicked off by picking two players we think will get traded before looking at things from the team's side. But before going into what we think will go down, we'll do a quick review of transactions that have happened over the past fortnight. Out of the, the ones that are most relevant, Dust, which, which one stands out to you in particular?
1: I think the biggest one is PJ Tucker heading to the Bucs. Yep. I think um, in a trade where where Houston were able to acquire DJ Augustine and a 2023 first-round pick, I think this has quite big implications for the Bucs. I think he's a guy who's going to be in their clutch lineup, whether he's a starter or not, I'm not sure. I think you probably stick with Brook Lopez as a starter, but then... I think the Bucks, at their very best has got Giannis at the five and PJ Tucker, very versatile defender, definitely a corner three-point shooter, which Milwaukee value. So I think he's a really good fit for their kind of closing five and could be an important player. We'll see a lot of him in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, definitely. They gave up a couple though as well. So they don't, in that deal too, they gave up DJ Wilson as well, right? And someone else maybe, or is it just? Yeah, you? DJ
1: Wilson and Augustine in a first round pick and they got back a second round pick.
0: Okay, so does that mean they then have a free roster spot if they gave up two guys?
1: Potentially, yeah. Potentially, so they could could still
0: be in play for the buyout themselves? Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's something to keep an eye on. I didn't actually think about that. Just sort of spoke about it through then. Uh, The only one that really stands out to me, and I actually really wanted Philly to get him in the off-season, was the Tory Craig. Like, I I think it's a very underrated wing piece that worst-case scenario is just a body to throw it. You know, a, a really good perimeter offensive wing from the other team just hopefully he can give you solid minutes he I think he's reliable I don't think he's um he's too up and down he's probably shooting is the thing you'd want to get a little bit more consistent um Mm -hmm. and it was him right that or was it Jeremy Grant that took the layup in the bubble that nearly led to the Mike Conley in and out three you know where they should have held it up at the end of the game it was either him or Grant that they should have slowed it it down and they took the layup and then they ran down the other end and Conley in and out three. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that Torrey Craig can actually be a contributor to that Phoenix Suns team because I think they don't have too much depth like a lot of – in terms of the wing, I think Abdel Nader's getting a lot of minutes off the bench at the moment because uh, when Bridges goes to the bench, um, yeah, I, I don't know who really comes into – feel that need at the three there I, I can't think of who else does it for phoenix
1: i think they they have some they have some good wings in the rotation right now particularly because they're very good shooters they stretch the four really well and that's bridges and you're talking about the guy from north carolina cam johnson but gotcha that's who i, was I think what 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 he brings um you know, what Tory Craig brings is a little bit of toughness, a little bit of strength, the ability to go up against guys who are a little bit stronger and a little bit more size that maybe, you know, might be too strong for those wings that they've got currently. So I think it does give them a good option. It gives them a potential to, to have a slightly better defensive lineup when they do need to go to a defensive five. So I think it's a good pickup for the Suns. And I don't expect him to, you know, be playing in clutch time minutes, but there will be moments in playoff series where they need to put a defensive lineup out and he'll be one of the guys that they can turn to now. And it makes sense for the Bucs to move on from Craig because they picked up Tucker. That, that, you know, that just makes good sense. I think it makes sense for both sides. Yeah,
0: agreed. Okay, so now on to some players we think will get traded. You can take Boom. the first stab at this, Das. And uh, so just give out one, and then I'll give out my first, and then you can go back, and then we'll work it that way. So over to you for your first guy. Okay,
1: so... Not a surprise, um, a player who only I mean, just a couple of days ago requested a trade is Aaron Gordon from Orlando. He's one of the guys who's been in trade rumors basically it feels like the last five years. You know? he's, he's a player who, who everyone kind of thinks they can get more out of and it always has felt like it's an unsure fit about him in Orlando. I guess Orlando have seen everything that he can do. You know, they've, they've seen him play in the playoffs. They've seen him play multiple positions, with different lineups for years, different coaches. So I think the fact that he's asked or requested to leave, that, you know, they they should probably honor that and, and do whatever they can to make a deal. Um, Orlando have said, come out and said that they want a first-round pick for him. Um, I think if you can get a first-round pick for PJ Tucker, then you can definitely get a first-round pick for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Uh, there's There are some rumors and some... Um, some info that I read, uh, read I think from Woj that Boston have apparently offered offered a deal including two first round picks to get Gordon, but they're also looking to get Fournier as well. So Gordon and Fournier for a couple of first round picks and maybe some Boston players. So that's that's a rumored trade that's going around. And I think when it talks about when you talk about Aaron Gordon and possible landing spots, there's a couple of teams that I like. Yeah, I don't think Dallas have a package for him, but I'd love to see him on our team. <laughs> Shock. Um, I think Portland actually would be a team that could really, really use him. And then I also like Denver for him as well. But um, yeah, that's kind of my wrap on what I think will happen with Aaron Gordon. I think he's he's on the move.
0: Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if he wasn't dealt. Um, if we're If we're here on Friday... And he's still an Orlando Magic player. Something's gone terribly wrong. Yeah, I, I I, think he's destined to be moved. That's for sure. So that's a good pick. Okay, so my two, I've kind of tried to steer away from a little bit of the common names that have been thrown out. But I look at the situation like the Toronto Raptors and I know the obvious guy is Carl Lowry, but I've gone someone else. I've gone Norman Powell. Now, cool. I think with the reps effectively being done, I don't know if you are on the same page with this type of thinking but I mean when you lose to the Cavs and you lose to you know the Rockets on back-to-back nights and your defense is just absolutely abysmal like it has been I think the Raptors have to be looking at probably shipping off a few of their guys and uh, I don't know if they'll do a complete rebuild and just blow everything up but I I think they'll start to see what the availability is for guys outside of Kyle Lowry. I think that's pretty obvious given the age and the circumstance and everything he's given to Toronto that they're looking to move him first. But yeah, I think Norman Powell might be 1B uh, in that list. I think he can get back a, a decent um, return. I think he's he holds a lot of currency. There'd be a ton of teams that would love to use him in a closing lineup in the playoffs. He can really put the ball in the basket in a number of ways. I mean, he's super quick. Uh, his first step is is lightning fast, really good jumper. That's something that he's developed when he came into the league. It wasn't very consistent. It was a second round pick out of UCLA, but he's just bouncy athleticism and he competes so hard defensively. So um, yeah, I think there, there would be a, a lot of teams interested in him, but the two teams I've settled on, I think if Philly can find a way to get him, if Carl Larry ends up going to Miami, that would be... Ridiculous for us as giving us that fourth guy, even a third guy. If you want to look at if Embiid and uh, Tobias in terms of scoring the ball, uh, option one and two, then I think Power would fit into number three in a playoff situation, and it would really take, um, you know, a lot of the pressure off of a guy like Simmons to have to be like, all right, I've got to really score the ball. Now we're in half court playoff situation; the game's tight. Embiid's getting double teamed. Tobias is, you know, got Kawhi Leonard on him or whatever. We need to like figure out a way to get another bucket. And I think a guy like uh, Norm Powell would be super handy. I can see the Warriors trying to swing a trade for him as well. Uh, I think if okay. they look to potentially throw in not the Minnesota first, but maybe one of their own future firsts, and potentially Kelly Oubre, um, that that could that could work because Powell just gives you that additional scorer from the uh, perimeter outside of Steph, that is, I almost think he's a better player than Kelly Oubre, just alone, Norm Powell. I think so. I think so. So I think that would be something that'd be super beneficial for uh, the Warriors to be able to pursue. Because to me, I just don't think they're a team that really look to ever sort of say, you know what, this year's not our year, unless unless Steph goes down for a long time, they'll do what they did last year. But I, I think all their moves that they've shown especially, you know, when Clay went down to get Kelly Oubre, that they're in it for this season. They're they're competing. You're getting a great Draymond year. Uh, Guys like Jordan Poole have started to play well off the bench recently. So if they can have another guy like Norman Powell, just gives him another dimension, gives another player for the defense to worry about. And uh, then when Clay comes back, even in the future. So that's another thing. You'll have to re-sign Powell because he's a free agent, I'm pretty sure. So.
1: He's super intriguing, yeah. How I think because the way he's playing right now, he's putting up you know very good shooting numbers, shooting a very good clip and scoring easily over 20 a game. Basically, he's on a tear right now, Mm. and he's kind of been butting at this kind of form for the last year or two in Toronto. So, I think he feels very comfortable there. So, you could you know, you could maybe understand why Toronto wouldn't want to deal in, but he's also basically at the peak of his, his. Selling power right now. And you got to work out going forward what kind of contract does it look like for him next season if you do keep him. Um, Yeah, he's definitely, to me, the second best asset in a trade. Um, He's a guy who could help a lot of teams. I think maybe his perfect role is like a six man, like a Jordan Clarkson, when he can kind of be the number one option as soon as you take your number one option off because he's just that, you know, that good offensively. But he's also, you know, a really strong defensive player. He was known for his defensive skills in at UCLA in college and he's obviously an elite athlete. So yeah, I think a contending team, if they were able to, to kind of nab him from Toronto would be, would be huge.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Totally agree. Um, your second.
1: Okay. So I've gone with the obvious one, one that I think is definitely going to happen. I think all is getting traded. Victor Oladipo from, from Houston. It just doesn't make sense for him to, to be there any longer. You know, they're a bit of a mismatched team and, I, I, it it makes you think, kind of, what were they thinking? Or well, they kind of got pushed into a, a corner with with Harden forcing his way out because you know there was there was never going to be any signs that Oladipo wanted to play long term in Houston, and that just gets confirmed by the fact that you know he turned down the two year forty five million dollar extension, which is which is an increase on his current contract. So either he thinks that he's he's worth more than twenty two and a half million dollars a year of salary, or or he just doesn't want to play in Houston. And I think it's more likely that he just doesn't want to be with this group of players, um, you know, a lot of young guys. I feel like there's, you know, he. W- I feel like he wants to be on a contender and give himself a chance at least at potentially getting one more max max contract. So when you think about what teams I like for him, I like, um, I like Boston maybe trying to make a run for him. Maybe Dallas is worth trying to make a run as well. And I think um, the Knicks, could offer could offer a lot of young players potentially that might um, interest Houston, but uh, yeah, Oladipo, he's got to got to be moved. You know, the longer he wastes time in Houston, kind of the it feels like wasting time in terms of his career. He, he desperately needs to be on the move.
0: Yeah, it's been a bit of a punish actually to watch him with Houston. It's it's almost like he's obviously just biding his time. He definitely doesn't want to be there. Uh, my thing going back to how that occurred is so Houston made the decision when they dealt hard and they go, we would rather two months of Depot than however long you'd have of Karis Levert? Because he's still Fair under enough. contract, right?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, another year for Levert.
0: So they decided that Depot was... Do you think, right... Well, I think Levert's better than Depot, but... it just maybe... Yeah, maybe they were just less interested about the
1: fit with... Because they do have John Wall, you know, like he is the point guard of the team. So Oladipo does probably fit a little bit nicer alongside that than, than Levert. But, you know, in terms of future, for, you're thinking Houston are thinking about, you know, the future and becoming a different team in five years' time. And Levert seems like more of a, you know, a guy who could come up and become, you know, an even, you know, an all-star player and really develop his game. Oladipo, you feel like you know what he is already. And he yeah. kind of needs to be on a contending team right now. Yeah. Interesting move. Maybe, I guess, you know, Houston might've thought that they could see this happening no matter what, whoever they traded for Harden, they weren't going to be able to keep them. And they're just going to have to rebuild.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It would make more sense to me that they would have been able to get more full of it, even if they, you know, got him from, from the nets that they'd be able to ship him off for, for more at the deadline. But yeah, I, I can't understand that thinking, but yeah, it puts him in an interesting situation and we, we've spoken about it off the pod and messaged about it, but they obviously have the the pick swap with OKC and that's top three protected. So mm-hmm. if they land in the top three, OKC can't swap picks with them, but if it's outside the top three, OKC can. So that's obviously a big reason is yeah, why we saw the, the 20 game losing streak. And, you know, you and I have spoken about it, that them and uh, the T-Wolves will be sweating on, on lottery night because with the odds evened out, it's absolutely no guarantee, even if they have the worst record, that that'll be a top three pick. So, yeah, big night for those two organisations. My second guy, I, I certainly forgot about him when I was doing a bit of research on this last night. Dusk, so maybe you have as well. JJ Redick, um, oh yeah, he's he's been injured since early March with a hamstring injury, and sure, mm-hmm. he's having a down year for his standards, but he's still shooting thirty-seven percent from deep for for this season.
1: On a bad season, on a bad season,
0: a a bad season. season. <laughs> yeah, and he's a career forty-two percent three-point shooter. I can see him being a, a real threat for for a contender. Um, the two teams that I immediately think come to mind is uh, and this is because of um, his wife is from Brooklyn. So the easy connection is the Nets Um, other than the Nets, but the Nets will probably be a buyout decision because I can see them, especially Steve Nash. You want a guarantee with, with players you're going to get in the playoffs with obviously Harden, KD, Kyrie getting a lot of minutes. You need some reliable guys. And so Redick will be able to provide that over a guy like Landry Shamet as much as mm. Landry Shamet maybe you know younger, more athletic, faster. He's just not got the playoff experience that you'd want. Redick's got that, so you'd rather Reddick be out there in a situation where you need a guy to knock down a shot. Um, pretty crazy if they needed to really get a, an easy, easy basket. You have KD, Kyrie, Harden, Joe Harris, JJ Redick. <laughs> Like, what, what is that? So, um, interesting lineup that they can throw out. Other team is, is just the Knicks because the Knicks don't have enough shooting. You watch some of the Knicks games and it's just an absolute slog fest. Recently, they've obviously been without Derek Rose. So, having Rose back is obviously a big help. But I think a guy like uh, Reddick can obviously be, be an absolute knockdown shooter alongside. The only other guy I can think of on that roster that knocked down shots is Reggie Bullock. I can't think of yeah. anyone else that consistently hits threes on that team other than Randall himself, maybe quickly sometimes off the bench if he gets hot early. But, yeah, I think those two New York teams, If uh, I think it's more likely the Knicks would be able to swing a trade, but Brooklyn is more likely a buyout option, like uh, most of these guys will see that don't get a trade and get bought out. But, yeah, I think one of those two, just based off Reddick's family situation and and his partner being in Brooklyn. That's part of the reason why he signed with Philly for that one-year huge deal because he wanted to be with a winning team. Brooklyn weren't a winning team at the time, but Philly obviously very close to Brooklyn. So that's why uh, that's why Reddick signed with Philly. I think he signed one year and then he came back and signed another one year, but then we let him go. So he was only two years with Philly. But yeah, I think one of those two New York teams would be a good fit for him. But yeah, people have forgotten about him just due to the hammy and we we haven't seen him. It's It's been a tough year for for him in New Orleans. Oh, for sure he, um, we haven't we
1: haven't seen him you know definitely we haven't seen what he can give to a team and he still can give can give a lot you know he's a guy who's averaged you know over 15 he, the last three seasons before this he increased his average in points every year and his field goal percent so you know he's a veteran who's if he's fit is ready to go and he's he's extremely helpful and I think in a scenario where well, you look at his contract and I think it's, I think it's 18 and a half million. So that, that's a lot of money to potentially sway in a trade unless a team's willing that's to true. use their trade exception for him. But that's why a buyout becomes so interesting because if they do buy him out, because, which seems like a, a decent possibility because of the fact that, you know, Stan's really burying him on the bench in a lot of games that he's not really giving him the responsibility of playing with the, with the first unit at all, yeah. which I think is a bit bizarre, you know, like, you got Zion, who can't who can't be stopped getting to the basket. Why not put one of the best shooters in the league around the court with him? Sometimes, but but anyway, yeah. So it feels like a good possibility he could get bought out. So I think all of the contenders would be interested in reading sure if he's if he's been bought out. You know, like he is an elite shooter, and a lot of the, all these good teams need it. You know, talk about the top of the West, like the Lakers could potentially use him, even though they tend to. Um, tend to kind of go for defensive players who can shoot a lot, but uh, you know, the Clippers could use him. Their bench is really, really struggling. Um, The Mavericks, he would be an excellent fit with us. Um, You know, Phoenix, they've got a guy like Langston Galloway, but I feel like it could be an improvement to get, to get JJ Riddick. And then you go over to the Eastern conference, Milwaukee could use him, you know, Philly. I'm not sure if they'd be interested in getting someone back like him, but you know, he, you know, he's, he's an exceptional shooter and, any teams who want to be contenders would be very interested in him if the buyout comes.
0: Yeah, you're right. The list definitely extends beyond the two that I mentioned, but I just thought in terms of family situation and location, he would probably stay East coast. I'm not sure if you go back Mm. to the Clippers. Is there too much PTSD in that, you know, from, from all those years where they fell short and yeah, the, the, uh, the fact they didn't actually get on and all that stuff. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think East, he would probably end up in if, if if it's a buyout situation, which I think you're right. If his salary is, you know, 18 plus mil, it's hard to see a team um, really looking to give up a lot to match that anyway. So that's awesome. Uh, we'll go mm-hmm. on to now a couple of teams. Now I thought of this because I just know myself, there's plenty of teams that have been mentioned that are looking to buy and, and, you know, be active and make a deal. And I think, man, I I don't think they actually should, they should hold Pat and then vice versa. There's teams that haven't been mentioned that I think should in terms of ones that should be active at the deadline and really making the most and not letting this deadline pass without really upgrading a few positions. So I will go first and I will pick a team that will make a trade that I actually think shouldn't. So I've gone OKC now. all right. You have the Houston pick swap and I get it's top three protected, but I honestly think the way this OKC team's building, it's very smart to keep around some veteran guys that you can help establish a winning culture. Um, Keeping guys like Horford and Hill around, I think it could be extremely beneficial for not only this season, but for the next couple as well, because Horford still, I think, got two years left on his deal. I'm not sure about Hill and if Hill's an expiring or a, um, so maybe that's a different situation. But I know Horford has at least a couple of years left, and uh, he's only gonna help some of their young guys. And uh, I think if OKC they keep winning even when they don't have guys around anyway. You saw them beat Houston the other day without SGA and then and Horford and then and Baisley, and then SGA came back yesterday to play the T-Wolves, and they beat the T-Wolves by 10 points. So OKC just keep winning, man. Well, you you and I spoke about it um, after the All-Star break. They were at 15 wins then. They're they're at 19 wins already now, Das. So they're not far off a play-in game. And if they could get to a play-in game and give it a red-hot crack, that would be so, so good for... Well, SJ's already been in a lot of big moments, but and same with Lou Dort. But um, I think you're not going to say no to more and more of those pressure situations and moments where you can really see what you're made of. And if you're one of these West teams that would have to potentially play OKC, that's, that's a tough team. They won't be an easy out. Um, So yeah, I know they've been mentioned as it seems like it is heading towards a trade with Horford. He's missed the last three or four games just due to rest. They're trying to preserve the asset. The worst thing they'd want is to, put him out in a meaningless game and he gets injured and they lose the value of potentially getting a first for back for Orford, which would be incredible given his contract. But yeah, I think OKC will make a trade, but I would be reluctant to do so.
1: Interesting. You say that, I think uh, you're right. They've been one of the most surprising teams in the league. Good team to watch. They're playing a, a really nice style and being, being very competitive when not a lot of people thought they would be. Uh, I think one thing that might might incentivize them not to pull the trigger on a trade is the fact that they've already stockpiled some some great picks, you know some some first round picks and some second round picks. They're not going to be short of of picks in the next couple of drafts. so you know unless they' unless they're given a potential player, you know that could be of value yeah. with a trade for for you know for Horford or for George Hill then I think. Yeah, I think I think they're probably I think you're right to say that they should probably just hold, you know, hold tight on the roster that they've got and try to rely on their their picks in the draft to make their team a little bit better. Some of the guys that they've been able to pick up, you know, even some some interesting young talent they've got on their team, like Poku's shown some interesting stuff. I like Isaiah Roby, who they got from the Mavericks former first round pick. This um there's some, this Brown, yeah, Brown. Yeah, Moses Brown. Moses Brown has shown some awesome flashes as well. And I think it all is, is tied together with, with how well Shea is um is producing and, and leading the team. So yeah, they're, they're, they're a fun team. And I, I like where they're going, whether they make a deal or not. I like what they're doing.
0: How about you? Do you have a team that you think will make a trade that shouldn't?
1: I think... I think Chicago will make a trade. I think they've got to do something about the Markkinen situation. You know, they, they they couldn't come to terms on an extension, which is, you know, it's, I'm not really sure why they couldn't. You know, Markkinen is still the same kind of interesting prospect that he was a year or two ago. You know, yeah. he shows flashes often that he can be a lead scorer. And, you know, he's, he's seven foot tall and he can shoot this reball real nice. And, you look up in some of the uh, box scores and he's got, you know, seven of eight threes in the third quarter and stuff like that. So he's an interesting player. I think they will probably make a move. Um, I, nothing in my mind really says that Chicago have become, you know, their front office has become competent and in making good decisions and moves. I like what Billy Donovan has done with their team on the floor. So I think the reason that they probably, sh- you know, they probably shouldn't make a move is because, you know, Billy Donovan is starting to make some meaningful changes to the lineups and really find out which players he thinks can play. Um, like he brought Sadoransky in the starting lineup, you know, uh, he's reduced the minutes for Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, put, put a lot more Thad Young on the floor and, you know, they're in a they're in a good spot at the moment in the playoffs. And I, you know, I think they might end up moving Markinen, but just because they kind of have to at the risk of losing him, but I don't think they should because reality is that, you know, they're they're in a really good position with Charlotte losing the in, injury to LaMelo Ball. I think, you know, they're a team that could get inside the top eight teams in the East. Yeah,
0: True. Well, I hear all your points, but they're my team for the ones that won't make a trade that I think should. I I okay. think they should make. So I've gone basically the, the complete opposite good, to you on that. Good respect. transition. So transition. my counter is what's the ceiling for this current Bulls team? Is it a first round exit? I mean, I would love to see them try and look and see what they could get back for some of the players they have. Cause they do have some interesting guys, even like a, a Denzel Valentine who's deep on the bench. I wonder what he could get back. Um, he's certainly a guy that could at least space the floor and, and do a little bit off the dribble. Um, the, the new VP of basketball ops is Arturis, Karnasovas, and he's from denver and he came across in the offseason. and the reason why i think uh they should make a move is because other than pat williams who he drafted this team is a team he's inherited it's not his guys mm. um it's i think it is pretty uh dumb to not at least see what the market is. I mean, the role of the GM is, you know, to make sure you're active on the phone, speaking, always understanding what, um, you know, the market is for the guys you have, the market is for other guys that you're interested in and just being available so that when something happens on short notice, you're there to attack. And um, I think you've got to always make sure you're having conversations. So, Which, think, which players think,
1: do you reckon? Which players do you reckon they could... You know, they they could lose. Well, they, well they, may, they could my
0: my main one that well the main two now that I actually think so. I agree that Markkinen should be traded. When we speak in the the third topic of this about a trade we'd love to see, my trade is involving marketing. Um mm-hmm. and the other guy I think as a result of them making that lineup changes, I think they'll be looking to move Wendell Carter. I'm not sure they're a big fan mm-hmm. of of what he provides, yeah, and yeah. the fact that Billy Donovan's now benched him, I think. It shows he probably agrees um, yeah. that, that that's not the best option for them moving forward. You would love to see Carter just uh, – I'm not saying I'd give up on him, but, God, I thought he had a bit of potential to be a bit of a playmaking big, uh, was sort of very – could hold his own defensively, uh, good mm-hmm. at finishing around the rim, was a decent mid-range shooter in college yeah, for Duke. A um yeah. And you just haven't seen much of that this year, um, so so I'm not I'm not too sure what his future is with the Bulls, but yeah, Markand and Wendell Carter would be the first two for me.
1: The, the main thing I see from Carter is it just isn't like he plays that hard, or he must not be happy in the situation because you know nothing strikes me as oh this guy's definitely going to get better and he works extremely hard. You know he's an interesting, interesting profile, interesting kind of prospect, but yeah. Haven't seen enough from him. I've, I think I've seen a little bit more from Markkinen than him to maybe want to keep him. But yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, that's uh, Chicago where we're, we're kind of split between both of those. Yeah. But if you know, if we move on to a team that I think um, won't make a trade but should, I think, yeah. um, I think the Knicks. You know, they're a team that you know, hmm. interesting. Ha- ha- you know, they haven't, they haven't really shown that they're willing to make a. Willing to make a deal, they're kind of always waiting out for a potential free agent to come and and sign in New York, just because of the, you know the profile of the team and the big market situation. But I think they should try to explore a trade option because you know they're they're a team that actually is not far off. At the way that Julius Randle is playing, he's matching it with all the best players in the Eastern Conference from night to night, and they've got some nice some nice veteran pieces. It's just a matter of you know whether they could whether they could maybe get one more player to help them. I don't think they actually, you know, need to rehaul the roster or anything like that. But they've got a lot of half decent kind of players that, you know, if you could find a team that would potentially be interested in a guy like Alec Burks or interested in maybe a young talent like Mitchell Robinson, then, you know, potentially you could get one more starting level player to kind of kind of help your team to potentially take it to the next level in the Eastern Conference. I think if they did make a move, they could potentially you know cause some real problems in like a first round series or in get through the playing tournament so uh yeah I think the Knicks are a team that probably should make a trade but I I don't really see it happening
0: yeah that's that's fair I could if if Sacramento decide to sell if they if they say everyone but De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton's available Mm -hmm. could the Knicks try and get like a Rashawn Holmes for Mitch Robinson type Thing Or would, would they, would, I don't know if they'd be able to, or if they'd be willing to give up the assets that potentially Sacramento want because Sac I think value him very highly. And uh, I know Rashan Holmes, I think he's an expiring. So I think he'll have to be paid and he'll want to be paid based on being yeah. a, a second, second round pick and being on low salary um, and signing basically pretty short term, low money deals uh, mm-hmm. did he sign one with Phoenix and then after Phoenix, he signed one with Sac, or was he traded to Sacramento? I can't remember how he ended up there to be honest, but I, I heard the other day that Rashawn Holmes was um, heading into free agency. So really good. <laughs> Rashawn Holmes is going to get paid. Like he's having such a good year. I think a lot of people now can appreciate what a guy like he brings to, you know, your team. So I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine he gets any less than, Ten mil a year. I think he, he would mm-hmm. probably get somewhere ten to fifteen over four or five, which are probably four, which uh, which is a good outcome for him. But yeah, maybe if the Knicks can swing a guy like that, do you think the the spot next to Randall's a position in need, or should they potentially look to get a try and find another wing out there in the I, in the market?
1: I think they do need some more scoring. You know, like uh, their center rotation, you know, is is pretty good defensively, but mm-hmm. overall, not very not very skilled. But it's also tough to find, you know, centers who can really score the ball in the league. Um, I think they definitely need a little bit more, more shooting. You know, the Reggie Bullock is fitting a good role for them. But, uh, you know, I don't think he'll be able to score a lot in the playoffs. I actually like Burks. I think he's a good scorer for them off the bench. But maybe they could potentially try to upgrade that. I don't know if they could swing some draft assets and maybe Burks to look at a guy like Norman Powell. You're talking about who might be on the move. But he could be helpful for a team like them. Uh, in, interesting, you talk about Sacramento like that. I uh, just read before that uh, Detroit declined, basically, or weren't interested in an offer for Marvin Bagley. So, if you know, if you can't even move Marvin Bagley to Detroit, then how much sure where you're going to be able to to move him to? Um,
0: what did Zach want? You know,
1: I I, didn't, I wasn't sure exactly, but the headline just rang that you know that Detroit weren't basically weren't interested. So, interesting. Uh, that's. I don't know what Detroit are thinking or what they're doing, but I think what you think, of, what you say about Rashawn Holmes, he's really boosted his value, but I think they might want to pay him, you know, because I think it'll make sense going forward that, you know, Halliburton and Fox with him, you know, you've got, you've got a pretty nice starting lineup, three out of, you know, three out of five positions sorted for there. I'd be interested to see if, if Buddy Heald is on the move. Um, he's, he's on a is- big contract, but lots of teams want him. Um Sacramento, yeah, I think they they definitely will be will be trying to make a move, you know, if I could see them, you know, stuffing about a bit and, and being a bit stubborn and, and not making a move. They've been known to mess up decisions in the front office before, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm probably on board with you that I don't think Sacramento will make a trade, but they should. And one more team I think also won't make a trade, but should, is uh, uh Memphis. They've got a They've already said, I read a headline this morning that, you know, they're not looking to move any of their rotational players. Gorgi Jang on a large, uh, I think, $19 million expiring contract is a guy who they're looking to to move if a team wants that that dumping salary. But, you know, I think they need to make a move because they've just got too many players who aren't getting court time. Like, particularly D'Anthony Melton. Like, why is he playing behind Grayson Allen and, you know... And they've got Justice Winslow as well. Like, I just don't really understand what, what they're doing with, with their bench. They need to make some some tough decisions. And when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, you're not going to be able to play half of these guys. So I think they should look to move off one or two of them. It be their bench guard rotation and wing rotation, they they should make a move.
0: Yeah, that's a good shout. Memphis are a frustrating team. Gosh, um, they, they definitely have some confusing uh, rotations with, with what their coach does, I sometimes to further your point about Melton. I sometimes see where Tyus Jones is the first guy off the bench before Melton, mm-hmm. and it's like, why? Like they re-signed Melton to a deal in the off-season, so they clearly believe yeah. in him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he should definitely. I think Bain should be starting over a guy like uh, Grayson Allen, and I think yeah. um, I I think Melton should be the first, if not second guy off the bench alongside Brandon Clark. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting sort of group they have at the moment. I really want triple J to come back so we can sort of see how this team looks. Um, I'm not sure what to expect out of triple J when he's missed so much time. Uh, But, but it is, it is definitely a a good play because um, what, where where are they currently going to go with the team they have? Maybe. If Triple J comes back and he's amazing, say Triple J comes back and he's amazing. Dust is the <laughs> it's the best Triple J you could hope for, entering his yeah. third year and being injury riddled. What 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 would be the best for them? First round exit? Oh,
1: yeah, they could, they could definitely cause some headaches for a team in the first round. I reckon definitely. You know, okay. you'd, you'd look, you looked at how how close they played Portland at the end of you know yep. at the end of the bubble. So I think if Jaren Jackson Jr. is coming back absolutely balling, then they're actually a dangerous team. That's why I think maybe they should make a move and start to get now. I think the the reason they might be saying we're not going to mess with our rotation right now is because they don't actually know what they have. You know, they don't know what they have in Jaren Jackson Jr. So they don't know what this full team looks like together with Moran and him. But even when you do get a look at it, I don't think they're going to be able to fit a rotation with all the guys that they've tried to play. So. It'll be interesting. Hopefully they'll yep. sort out their rotation a little bit more when uh, when Jaren does get back.
0: Yeah. Boomerant well, needs to lift himself, actually. Since coming back from the ankle, he hasn't really wowed. But before doing his ankle, he was like – he dropped like 44 points and he was looking like a stud. And then the ankle injury happened against Brooklyn, landing on someone's foot. And then since he's come back, mm. it, it hasn't been the same. So um, hopefully he gets right uh, and – lives up to, you know, the hype that he had because he's been pretty ridiculous uh, when healthy. So something must be wrong with him, I reckon. Now, trade you'd love to see. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to kick this off. I've tried to steer away from any basic or obvious, but I think I've come across two trade partners that involve two players that can really help out their respective teams that they'll then move to. So I've got the Bulls trading Markkinen and a protected first to Atlanta for John Collins. So, okay. so for Chicago, Wendell, Wendell Carter has sort of moved to the bench anyway. I love the thought of John Collins then being able to play the five for the Bulls. Um, mm. You can then have a sort of solid core to build around with Collins, Levine and Pat Williams. And then for Atlanta side of things, Markkinen is, I think, a much better fit next to Capella because he can shoot the heck out of the ball, as opposed to Collins, that is a bit of a hybrid. You know, Collins likes to operate a little bit in the post himself. He likes to shoot mm-hmm. some mid ranges. He does take some threes, but he's just not shooting it at the same clip that Markkinen does. I mean, both John Collins and Markkinen are 23. They're both in the final year of their rookie deals. They didn't get extended by their you know respective teams. And so I think it gives the new team that, you know, these guys go to a good sample to look at that player and decide if they want to then sign him to an extension. Um, it would make sense for the Bulls to sign Collins as soon as they get him, because mm-hmm. I think we've seen more Absolutely. of him and there's more of a reliability there that you know what you're getting. Um, but if things don't work out as well for Atlanta with Markinen, they've at least gotten a first-round pick out of it and they haven't lost the asset of John Collins for nothing. Um mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I think that, that that trade in particular could work for both teams. I mean, the salaries are effectively the same. But yeah, two young, big men, both 23. Why not? I, th- I think it helps both teams.
1: I think it's very interesting. I think it's, that's a nice little trade. I think when you talk about Atlanta looking at potential options for John Collins, uh, I reckon they could save money on that kind of trade. You know, if they got Markkinen, then he wouldn't be commanding the same exactly. contract as Collins. And on the other flip side, you know, Chicago would be willing to pay. They've been starving for a star young player to throw a lot of money at. Um, it doesn't look like Wendell Carter's going to be that guy. So I think it would be a really nice fit if he did end up in Chicago. You know, they would instantly be really, really tough. I think with Levine and him, that's extremely athletic. I think the fit on the offensive end for uh, Atlanta, if Markham was to go there, would be nice. You know, you're right about how they would stretch the floor a lot. I think what Atlanta would lose a little bit there is defensively, I suppose. Not that Collins is an amazing defender, but yeah. his toughness and kind of rebounding and ability to match up with guys, um, I think it's a little bit better than Mark and that would, that would leave them a little bit vulnerable. But yeah, that's an interesting trade. I think that that's, that's quite funny, you know, just kind of swapping guys who are about to be on their extension because they fit better on a different team. That's, a, that's an interesting one. The more I, the more I think about it. You know, I've kind of given up the hope that Atlanta would trade Collins. But you yeah, know, if there's a good offer, right. if there's a good offer with a first round pick, you know, they they have to think about it. I think for sure.
0: Yeah, well, given how Atlanta have played since you know McMillan's come on board before losing yesterday to the Clips, and they should have won that. Like they blew it. Like the Clips, they were up twenty two um, against the Clippers, and Luke Kennard, your boy, Luke <laughs> First first seen Luke, oh, haven't seen Luke Kennard in years and he suddenly just comes out of the depths of nowhere somewhere and uh, yeah, it goes well, perf- nine. perfect from the field and hit that stupid half quarter and oh, if you're Atlanta, you're pulling out your hair because it could have been 9-0 and with some really nice wins in there, but still mm. everything's trending upwards for, for Atlanta. So I think that's the point you make. I, it's oh, hard to see the Hawks geez. moving, moving Collins. The um uh,
1: first game back for DeAndre Hunter, and he looked quite good yesterday. You're right. so good the, point. Yeah, big sign for Atlanta. Yeah. All right. My um Yours. my trade that I've put in the machine, it's one of those that I think probably should have already happened already. I think Denver need to go out and get someone, you know, go out and get a star, and the star who's available right now is Oladipo, I mm. think. You know, Denver, they've got the assets. They've got the young players. They've got the matching contract. You know, they could they could send Gary Harris, who would be a nice kind of shooting guard, to help, to help Houston, even though I'm not sure what his value is a lot right now. But they could easily throw in an interesting prospect like Bol Bol. You look at Houston, they don't have a center. You know, they could use a young, interesting player, you know, and they could afford to throw in, you know, a first-round draft pick. You know, so for for Denver, they pick if they pick up all the depot, I, I really like their lineup, you know, Jamal Murray, Depot Barton, Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. You know, have you got a you got a two way wing, the guy can really score the ball, give you twenty a game, hopefully in the playoffs, guy who can defend. I think he would be a useful piece playing around Jokic. And you know, I'm not sure, you know, with with All Depot being on an expiring contract. You know what's the loss there? You lose Bol Bol, who's a potentially interesting prospect, but he's not ready to contribute right now. And you're losing a player like Gary Harris, who, you know, I think I've seen enough of him to know that he's not moving the needle for Denver. So I think Denver should do everything they can to go out and get a guy. And I think this this could work with Oladipo.
0: That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. You'd really hope that Oladipo comes into Denver and he's you know, back to almost first year, second year, Indiana Pacers version of Oladipo, just really buying in, really committed on both sides of the ball because he does give them then a, that third prong alongside, as you say, Murray and, and Jokic. And suddenly it's not far out. Um, Jamal Murray's having an off night. Jokic is obviously getting buckets, but he can't do it on his own. Porter Jr. has gone into his shell because he's one of eight from the field because all he does is take contested shots. So if you then have you know, all of those things that occur, but then you have a guy like Oladipo who can, you know, give you that scoring from the perimeter and uh, hopefully he takes pride in defense because it's, there hasn't been too much of it in Houston. I mean, it's clear he's mailing it in, but yeah, you, you, you obviously make the deal with the knowledge that you'll get a locked in Oladipo. Um, and then the question would be, as you say, maybe they're in no rush to re-sign him. Um, so you just sort of see how things play out see how he goes in the playoffs and then in the off season um you can you can kind of make that potentially decision if you want to go the route of doing that but they they may because he's unrestricted right there's you may be hamstrung and and think and oladipo may not you know uh want to come across unless he gets basically a a long-term deal with Denver. There could be that side of things that his agent is telling teams as well. If you trade for my guy, there's only certain teams that might be on all the depot's list that he'll resign with. So they might be pushing from their end. You know, tread he's tread been, carefully because did some, he's something.
1: Been, just he's been. I don't think, yeah, well um, oh, no, nothing happened. He's been, you know, he's been talking about how he wants to go to Miami for a long time. And he has, the headlines yeah. head, headlines I read today were Miami and the Knicks not willing to play a premium for deeper You know, every team knows that you know that Houston want to move on from Deeper. He wants to move on, and he wants to go and sign somewhere else. So these teams are not necessarily offering big pieces. You know, I think Houston would come into the conversation with Denver saying we want Michael Porter Jr., and then Denver would say <laughs> sorry, he's. A- He's off the table, but we've got lots of young assets and draft picks. Let's make it work. So I think Houston will have to pull the trigger on the depot trade probably. I'd say they might even leave it to the last minute because they'll just get as many offers as they can and then just settle for the best one they think they can. And I think Denver should be making a good push to potentially get him.
0: Yeah, I agree. They The current team isn't going to get it done um, in, the, in the playoffs. I, I think they need that that perimeter scorer outside of Murray. That's for sure. All right. What
1: what do you, what do you think about? I had another team down here. What do you think? What, what do you think about? What do you think about Kemba potentially being picked up? Do you reckon any team would like him? Do you reckon a team like, I suppose Houston wouldn't really like him because you know, they've got John Wall at the point guard position, but I'm just thinking a team around the bottom would potentially like Kemba and trade because I think Boston need to need to do something. We already know about their mid-level exception and how they need to use that.
0: Well, that's the key thing that you just mentioned. What team would want him? Um, God, who's who's really short in that point guard position? Well, I
1: think what if, what, like, if the,
0: what if the Knicks went stuff it? Bring Camber home. He's from Connecticut. Connecticut. It would be tough
1: to make the salary the salaries work. They'd have to give up someone. Oh, that's on, true. on a big contract, but. Um, could just do a bunch of players. But I'm not sure Boston would do it for any of the players on on the Knicks roster, you know. I thought maybe if if Houston were interested in picking up, you know, another another talented player, you know, they could pick up Kemba. And then maybe I would love the fit with Oladipo, the Celtics. I reckon that would be amazing if you swapped Kemba in for Oladipo. The salaries work? Wings wings galore. Yeah, the salaries work. Oh. Throwing DJ, throwing DJ Augustine for the Celtics,
0: yeah. Well, they need all the help they can get. Boston, they—they spoke about they need- in last week's pod as a team that I thought would slide down the standings, and they haven't responded well. um yeah, things seem to be up. going a little bit south, yeah. And the only reason they beat Orlando the other day was because they knocked down a ridiculous amount of threes. Jalen Brown hit 10 threes or whatever. It's not necessarily because they person. played any better. It's just a hot shooting night if you actually watch the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, their effort was disgusting against the Kings where they, you know, the Kings didn't oh, even yeah. try too hard and they they won by 11. So I think the score was 107-96, so it... it, it was a pretty ugly game and Boston side of things was just a lack of effort. Like, so something's, something's got to change. So uh, I think, I think the Celtics front office knows that they've seen enough. Now, Marcus Smart's been back for what, a week, 10 days, two weeks, hasn't really seemed to help the situation too much. Um, So yeah, a move's definitely on the horizon for, for Boston, as we've said, but yeah, all the depots interesting for them.
1: uh, It sounds like Boston are a front runner for Aaron Gordon,
0: as you said, yeah, Sunday, that's right,
1: Fournier. So yeah, I'm very interested to keep an eye on that.
0: Yeah, definitely. can't wait
1: to see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, well, that's it. That's yeah. that's where we'll, we'll leave things because we'll be back in uh, less than 24, uh, less than 48 hours. Sorry, um, to do a, a basically a review on all the deals that will go down between now and then. So this is Friday 6 a.m. that the deadline officially closes. So sometimes you know, deals that go down right until the last minute and they get put through to the league don't actually get released on Twitter or the media or the fans don't find out until, you know, 20 minutes after the deadline closes, 15 minutes. So Dart and I will, will come back and do a show potentially half an hour after, maybe an hour after the deadline closes, and we'll just do a wrap up of everything that goes down over the next two days. So Hopefully it's, it's very active. There's a flurry of deals. We end up doing a five hour pod dust because there's just so much Mm -hmm. crap to talk about. Um, because yeah, we we've spoken about it a lot this season, obviously the play in and the fact that you're still in it right up until the 10th seed. Some teams have got to see that and be like, look, now's our, our chance to strike. So hopefully there's a flurry of deals and we're not here being like, well, that was another letdown, but, uh, no, everything's heading in the, in the right direction towards some really major moves. And, uh, yeah, that, that can really impact some teams and their their prospects. So really keen, really looking forward to it. Perfect. I'll speak Bye, to you on Friday, Dust. All right. Speak soon.